Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. I'm Eric Felton. Michael Warren is here. We're going to ask him what the White House strategy is for dealing with the collapse in the Senate of repeal and replace on Obamacare. But first, I'd like to mention our sponsor, Away Travel. Your luggage shouldn't cost more than your plane ticket. Away Travel's luggage is designed to be high quality and still under $300. For $20 off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com standard and use the promo code STANDARD during checkout. Michael Warren, welcome to The Daily Standard. Thanks for having me, Eric, as always. Thanks for being here. So um, does the White House have a strategy for the collapse of repeal and replace efforts? No. Okay, I guess this is going to be the shortest podcast that we've ever done. Uh, okay, well, for the sake of the podcast, let me expand on that answer a little bit. Um, uh, you know, there are reports that the White House was taken aback, was unaware that this was going to happen on uh, on Monday night, which uh, I guess we should quickly explain what exactly happened. You have a very slim Republican majority in the Senate. Uh, you already had two Republicans on either side of the conference, the uh, uber-libertarian Rand Paul and the main moderate Susan Collins, who said they were not going to support this uh, this uh, sort of version of the, the new version, the Senate version of the House Obamacare repeal and replace bill. And that really meant uh, Republicans couldn't lose any, any more. Uh, they couldn't lose one more. If they lost one more, the bill was dead. Well, they didn't lose one more. They lost two more. Um, and they lost both Mike Lee, a very uh, conservative, one of the most conservative members of the Senate and of Congress, for that matter, uh, and Jerry Moran, which was sort of a surprise, Kansas Republican senator who's... What's a, the matter with Kansas? Exactly. I mean, it's a, it's about uh, he's about as Republican establishment as it gets. He's conservative. He's from Kansas. This is not a this is not a uh, you know a, a, a John Lindsay style liberal Republican, uh, but he was the uh, the chair in 2014 of the uh, committee to uh, you know uh, elect a, a Republican majority uh, to the Senate. He, he's a Jerry Moran is uh, generally aligned with the uh, Republican leadership in the Senate. And he bailed. So let's see if we can get this straight. This bill managed to lose the libertarian conservative, managed to lose the liberal Republican, managed to lose conservative Republican vote, and managed to lose the establishment Republican crucial vote. It's a it's a wonder that it failed, Eric. I mean, <laughs> it's not a trifecta; it's a quadfecta. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's it's bad. And and there's look, I think there's a lot of blame to go around. We should um, note that Mitch McConnell clearly, you know, who, who is somebody who I think doesn't get enough credit for how well he's held together his Republican, very shaky Republican conference with that such a wide uh, a, a range of, of sort of ideologies. Um, he didn't hold it together this time. And, and there's a lot of reasons people think about why he didn't do that, you know, sort of crafting this behind closed doors. Um, not being fully transparent, perhaps even being a little vindictive against people like Ted Cruz, uh, uh, sort of watering down his amendment and you know getting Mike Lee you know off the off off that. Um, but you know also there are conservatives like Mike Lee, Ted Cruz, Ben Sass, who uh, are you know have been critical of the way that the Republicans have been uh, approaching repeal and replace. Where's their plan been? If, if they drafted their plan, they, these are men who have been in the Senate for at least two years and some longer, um, and, uh, and and there seems to be you know no plan from them. But I think ultimately, uh, or, or or at least a, a big part of where the blame lies for this bill falling apart and failing, 
lies in the, the president himself. I mean, this is a president who supported this bill. He supported the House bill. He supported the Senate. So it was very important and essentially did nothing uh, to try to marshal uh, you know, the forces to try to get people behind this, either publicly or behind the scenes privately. So I think looking ahead— At a celebration when the House passed the bill. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A little premature, perhaps. A, a, a tiny bit. And I think—I mean, if you talk to if you talk to Republican, some Republicans who weren't at that celebration on Capitol Hill, they say, uh, that, that didn't—that didn't— that didn't that's, that, that didn't bode well. That's fact. like breaking out the championship hats at the Super Bowl halftime. Exactly. Uh, is that, was that a swipe at my Atlanta Falcons, Eric? That's, <laughs> I, I don't appreciate that one bit. Um, uh, so I, I think if, you're, if we're now looking ahead to what happens now on Obamacare repeal and replace, you have to think about it in those terms, which is this is not a White House that really took an active role. Well, what, the one thing that at least was proposed for a, for a hot second was, well, we'll just repeal and forget the replace. But that seems like that's fallen apart all, already. Yeah, this I'm kind of confused about why Mitch McConnell, um, a savvy, smart guy, would do that. Um, there's a lot of problems with a straight repeal, one of which is that it's it's pretty impossible to get through on, on reconciliation. I mean, I guess you would sort of limit what you could get done. So you would actually end up sort of repealing less than a repeal and replace plan would um, if you're strictly repealing. It's complicated. I don't want to get into it, but needless to say, it's sort of you even you get kind of less, and you're not even getting enough Republicans on board with that. Uh, and then, of course, the other big problem with with strict repeal, and, and this is a 2015 bill that Republicans voted most. I think just one Senate Republican voted against it in 2015, uh, is that it it didn't deal with what Republicans think is the biggest problem with Obamacare, which is the regulations. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, those regulations that really do, I, I think you're right, define what Obamacare is. So uh, that's faltered. Uh, you've already had Republican senators, enough Republican senators basically say, uh, we're not interested. Um I guess the president is pushing for that on Twitter. Is also sort of suggesting that Obamacare will fail on its own, which it very well could, uh, and then they'll get Democrats on board to do something about fixing it. But it, it wasn't supposed to be this way, Eric, and and uh, and I, I think it reflects uh, ultimately a sort of lack of leadership or a lack of uh, strategy from the head of the party, the head of the executive branch, who. For such a massive piece of legislation, a massive uh, attack—you uh, know—attack uh, 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 on uh, a very big issue, you need presidential leadership that that wasn't there. And is your sense that the White House isn't putting the leadership into this because it didn't realize that that was its role, or is the White House distracted by all of the scandal issues and and other things keeping it from focusing on? the efforts it needs to to mount. Yes and yes. <laughs> I mean, all of the above and then some. Look, behind the scenes, you have Vice President Mike Pence, a uh, former member of the House, who sort of does lead the White House's kind of congressional relationship uh, building. Uh, Mark Short, who's the actual head of the Office of Legislative Affairs at the White House, uh, who's a, a, a past Pence aide, uh, savvy guy, I th- I think they generally do what they can. That's the that's the inside game, you know, sort of trying to get senators on board or House members on board. Here, what can we do for you? But there's another element to this which works on senators, which is the outside, the public 
game uh, of, of trying to get support behind an idea. That's where the president, who has the bully pulpit, who has the ability to go on TV or go on Twitter and say whatever he wants and have the, everybody pay attention to him. Do, do, do you remember a single speech dedicated to this very important health care legislation? Do you, do you recall any sort of focus by the, by the White House uh, on this in a sort of big public way? No. I mean, every every single effort by the president was sort of at the last minute where he would get on TV you know, behind a dais or something and say, we really need to get this done. Well, that that doesn't that doesn't cut it. Uh, right. Basically. Especially when the Democrats have been very focused in lobbying on this issue with grassroots support, turning out people at, at town hall meetings, right. at Fourth at of July parades and otherwise to denounce the Republican effort to repeal and replace to say that I, you know, people saying I'd be dead if it weren't for the coverage I had from Obamacare. Right. That's you need if you're going to be hit with that kind of lobbying, you need to have a very strong answer to the question. That's right. You could you, you, Republicans seem to have sort of seeded the point that the most important thing about healthcare legislation is how many people have health insurance. Uh, and and whatever Republican plan Republican plan was going to emerge from the conference, it was going to end up with fewer people on health insurance. There was a a sort of good economic reason, a, a, a theory of of government involvement in the insurance industry, uh, an argument that could be made that Republicans didn't seem interested in making or really weren't able to make, and certainly the president wasn't able to make. You had senators who were saying they were meeting with the president. Uh, and and realizing that he really had no understanding of even sort of basic details of what the the, the Republicans in the Senate were proposing. That's a problem. I, I just want to sort of have you consider this scenario. All right, um, I'm ready. All right, you ready for I'm it? I'm ready. Uh, strap in here. Because um, you mentioned the Democrats, right? And the Democrats are all completely uh, opposed, basically anything Trump wants to do, but particularly anything that has to do with health care. Um, there's a lot of reasons why that is. Obviously, this is their signature issue in the Obama administration. Uh, but Trump has also uh, made anything with his with his name stamped on it uh, uh, poison for Democrats. So that's one problem. I think that has to do with scandals. That has to do with you know the tweeting and all those sorts of things. But imagine if uh, you have a number of swing state, uh, red state Democrats up for re-election uh, in 2018 or, uh, or who otherwise, you know, have to respond to red state constituencies. Uh, if Donald Trump had brought in Joe Manchin of West Virginia, Joe Donnelly of Indiana, uh, Heidi Heitkamp of North Dakota, Claire McCaskill of Missouri, uh, brought them into the White House early on and said, look, I know you don't, uh, uh, y- y- you don't want to be out there in support of repealing Obamacare because you're a Democrat. Is there some way that we can find some, you know, additional legislation to help, you know, uh, make things better on this, that, or the other? I think there's a there is a, a a correct fear that Obamacare, as it is, is it could very well collapse and states could be without any insurers. It's already started to happening, uh, started to happen. Um, you could have put Democrats in those situations on their heels if Trump had made an early effort to at least try to bring them along uh, and, and see their side of things. That That's a part of the job of a president. 
that that this president doesn't seem to be interested in. Uh, and so what you end up happening is everybody is uh, on their side. Joe Manchin is not interested at all in doing anything on health care with the president. Uh, and so then you're left with these very slim margins where things like this happen uh, and the, 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 the White House is left sort of baffled and, and back on their heels and going, well, what just happened to us? If the president has put anyone back on his heels, it's Mike Pence. You see the the press conference yesterday where Donald Trump was at his Made, Made in America right. event, and the question of repeal and replace came up, and Donald Trump said, well, it's hard. There's, you know, senators from one state want one thing, from another state want another thing, <laughs> but Mike Pence, he's sorting it out, and you're going to make it happen, right? And he gives, and he looks back at, at Pence, who's standing behind him, right. who's got a sheepish grin on his face, <laughs> but he put Pence on the spot. Right. There. Is Donald Trump likely to look for a scapegoat out of all of this and blame his vice president who he put in charge of the congressional relations? Yes. In fact, he'll probably find, try to find many scapegoats, uh, you know, blaming uh, people like Mike Lee, blaming Mitch McConnell, blaming Mike Pence. I mean, the blame will most likely go everywhere but but to him. And I think that he deserves some of the blame for, for what happened. I think that event that you described uh, uh, yesterday, hours before the whole thing fell apart, encapsulates exactly the problem that, that, that the president had with this health care bill. He really knew nothing about it. Uh, he had the vaguest sense of some people want some things, some people want another, and sort of spoke confidently, we're going to get this done. Well, they're not going to get it done now. So where's the, where's the White House now? I think they're uh, they're sort of up a creek. Although the the White House did feature a nice blue Les Paul. <laughs> I did like Les that. Paul, that was, was very that nice. That was very nice. Very, very shiny. Nice. <laughs> Michael Warren, White House correspondent for the Weekly Standard. Thanks for joining us on the Daily Standard podcast. Thanks, Eric. The Daily Standard podcast is brought to you by Away Travel, a company started to create the perfect luggage. Their approach is simple. Design luggage to be resilient, resourceful, and fit the way you travel today. Choose from nine colors and four sizes. The sizes are pretty straightforward. There's the carry-on, the bigger carry-on, the medium, and the large. My favorite feature, though, is the built-in backup battery that comes in both sizes of the carry-on. It lets you charge cell phones, tablets, e-readers, or anything else that's powered by a USB cord. Away travel bags come with a lifetime warranty and a 100-day live trial. If at any point during the 100 days you decide the bag's not for you, return it for a full refund, no questions asked. For $20 off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com standard and use the promo code standard during checkout. Thanks so much for joining us on the Daily Standard podcast. I'm Eric Felton. Catch you next time. 